I just want us to get right into his word, and I have a lot of scriptures today, so I'll just see what the Holy Spirit has for us today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. We'll just jump right into this. I want you to look in the book of Matthew, chapter 10, verse 22. Matthew, chapter 10, verse 22. Thank you, Lord. It says, actually in the New King James, if you could read that, it says, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. We are identified in Christ, aren't we? Did you know that you became one with Christ when you said yes to him? You became, you are no longer you. Your name is gone. You have a new name. Your name is now Christ. That is you. You are identified in him. It's not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It is no longer you. And Jesus said, if they hated me, they will hate you. If they persecute me, they will persecute you. We should not be surprised. And, and there's many verses that say that, and I hope to look at those today. But it says, but he, everybody says, the one who endures to the end will be saved. There's an endurance to walking with God. There's an endurance walking with Christ that we must have. It is non-negotiable. Jesus sustains us. We have a God who understands us. Jesus, it says, is not, he is understanding. He is compassionate. He is not uh, unaware of our lives. He is not unaware of what we go through. He faced it all and came through it triumphant, didn't he? Jesus went through everything that we go through. We don't realize that he faced it all. In fact, he bore every sin of every person upon his own self, upon his body, on the cross, and bore it for us. And he stands, it says in Hebrews, as a high priest who identifies, he understands us. He knows what we go through. And in Romans 8, it says that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. So there is no endurance. I must say that first, right off the bat. There is no endurance without you in Christ, without the Holy Spirit. You cannot endure by gritting your teeth or by pushing your toes into the dirt or mind over matter. And yet, it still says to endure. It is completely and totally 100% by us staying in Christ, by staying in his word, by staying close to the Holy Spirit. The Lord never leaves us, never forsakes us. As I said some weeks ago, I've been saying in Joshua 1, he never leaves you, never forsakes you. We leave him many times. Many times we leave him. He will never leave us. And it's our job as he is faithful to us, compassionate to us, gracious to us, merciful to us, and has given us his own Holy Spirit to help us, we must let him do what he's asking to do in our lives for our own good and honestly for the good of those around us as well. It says in the scriptures that Judas walked with Jesus just as Peter did. 
Judas saw the same miracles that Peter saw. Judas heard the same sermons that Peter heard Jesus preach. In fact, Judas handed out the fish and the bread. When Jesus said, when they said to him, Lord, there's, how could we possibly take care of all these people? And Jesus said, you feed them. And then Jesus broke the bread and broke the fish and distributed it to the disciples. And then the disciples carried out the miracle. Judas was in that group. And yet we see an incredibly heartbreaking, something that we just can't understand. And yet it happened that he walked away from Jesus, betrayed Jesus when things didn't go his way. He didn't understand. The final straw is that the oil, the ointment was broken open and anointing Jesus for what they didn't even understand was about to happen for the cross and for his burial really was an anointing of him. And he said that could have been a year's wages. I mean, that could have been money we could have used for the poor, but it says, it says though that it tells us clearly in the scriptures, so we don't have to assume that he didn't really care about the poor, but he used to dip his hand in and take the money. And we see that even though he walked with Jesus and even though he saw all of the things that Jesus did, his own nature, his own flesh, his own desires, Jesus just didn't prove enough. He was willing to follow all that time, but he couldn't quite, okay, Jesus, I thought you were going to do something. I want to take matters into my own hands. I'll just take care of self. I thought, Jesus, you would do it by now. When is the kingdom? You'd hear that they asked these questions. Disciples asked the question, Lord, when is the kingdom going to be established? They had this understanding that Jesus was going to do something. They thought he was something. And, and even Peter, right, we know, was confused. And so was John. They went back to fishing. They didn't understand what had happened. And the Lord had compassion on them, came again, and loved them, and had breakfast with them, and sent them out again. And they were encouraged, and they continued, and they didn't quit. But Judas did. And I think that's something that we should always remember as believers. That the enemy comes. The enemy will come and try to tempt you, try to get you into self, try to get you into you. He comes. We shouldn't be unaware of this. That here was a man who saw Jesus in the flesh. He saw Jesus literally, we read about it, and the Bible says that there is a blessing for us. It says, he said to Timothy, you see and you believe, but blessed are those who don't see and they believe. So there's a blessing for us who read the verses and hear the stories and we believe. And yet Judas saw it in the flesh and ultimately his belief and, his, and what he wanted for himself for 30 pieces of silver traded in his faith. It's a very sobering thing and yet... It's a reality, isn't it? It's truth. This is truth. The Bible tells us, I want you to look over in the book of the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. And we just thank you, Holy Spirit. You speak to us. Lord, you're good. The Lord's good to us. He will never ever fail you. Jesus loves you so much. You know that Jesus loved Judas. <laughs> Jesus never stopped loving him. When Judas kissed Jesus on the cheek, he said, you betray me with a kiss. Don't you hear the heartbreaking? Don't you hear Jesus weeping in his, his mourning inside? He wasn't angry at Judas. 
You betray me with a kiss. I can hear his mourning inside, the breaking of the Lord's heart. He had given everything to Judas just as he gave everything to Peter. Now, Peter struggled too. I'm bringing up Peter because Peter did struggle, didn't he? He was struggling, 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 struggling with not a belief, but just trying to understand what was happening. And, and he was the most you know, willing many times to do what others weren't. He was with Jesus at the transfiguration. He walked out on the water, but then he picks up the sword and strikes the ear off right at the last moment. So Jesus was working with all of them equally. Peter tried to still, he was still figuring stuff out. You know, what do I have to do, Lord? What are you doing? What is, what is the kingdom? What does this really mean? What is this all about to follow you? And he did figure it out, didn't he? He came to his denial came to that same place that we all have to come to where you have to just be emptied. And yet he chose to continue. That's really the only difference. Peter repented and continued, whereas Judas turned and took self. And it says here in Hebrews 10, verse 32, think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Now Hebrews, he's writing to believers and I always like to preference who we're writing to here. Are we writing to the world or are we writing to believers? Hebrews 10, we're writing to believers here. And this is something that we need to listen to. The Holy Spirit's telling us, I want you to think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. You know, this is such a powerful scripture because who remembers when you first accepted Jesus? Everybody remember that moment <laughs> or remember a re-accepting, right, where you, you were reignited does everybody remember those moments? It's kind of hard to forget, actually, isn't it? And it's such a special moment because it's so innocent. We're so innocent, and nothing's going to stop us, and we just want to tell everybody we're unashamed. We don't care what people think. We don't even care that we don't really even know the full, we don't even know the full gospel yet. We just know, you know, like the blind man, I don't know. All I know is I was blind and now I see. Do you want to become a disciple too? I don't, I don't know. I don't know who he is, where he came from. All I know is I've been touched by him. I've been changed. That's all I know. There's such a powerful moment. He says, I want you to think back to that moment. I want you to think back. I want you to remember how you remained faithful, even though it meant terrible suffering. suffering. Terrible suffering. Verse 33, sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten. Sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. Now, we haven't suffered many things physically in this country as far as directly because of you preaching the gospel, but we have all faced, especially that first moment, you have the circle of friends that were not believers, and all of a sudden you are a believer, and they verbally were beating you and attacking you, and you can all remember that. Like, what happened to you? I grew up in a Christian home, but my friends told me you used to be cool. <laughs> you used to be cool. This is not cool, the person you're becoming. You know who said that too? It was a PK, pastor's kid. Classic. <laughs> the worst kid I ever knew. Lord help us. It says, it says remember, because it says, verse 34, you suffered along with those who were thrown into jail. Basically, you didn't care what anybody thought. And when all you owned was taken 
all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. Unless you were sold a foreign doc, uh, doctrine on Christ, this is what happened to you. Unless you heard, oh, you don't have to lose anything. I heard you have to abandon everything. You just have to give it all to him. Let him have it all. And I was willing to do it. I didn't even fully understand what that meant, but, and it's been a process, and it's still a process, isn't it? Still a process. But I just know I just started shedding stuff off more stuff off. Even just, I had, I remember this moment where um, no one forced me to do it. And again, I was in a Christian home, but I wasn't listening to good music. And I just knew the Holy Spirit wanted me to stop listening to that. And I went outside and I had a stack of CDs and I took a hammer and I smashed them just like they did in the Old Testament where they smashed the idols and they ground them up. And then when I smashed it down to a pile, I poured gasoline on it and I burned it. And it was a very powerful moment and I never turned back. I still, I can hear, and I'm not judging anyone who listens to secular music, but I can hear some of the music out there and it still wears in my flesh. My soul still wants to listen, wants it. But I just knew that I cannot be doing that anymore. No one told me. I didn't hear any religion. No one sat me down and said, you need to be a better Christian. It was just, I want to give up all of it. I'm just, you, I, I, there's better for me. There's better, right? And I just shed it all off. And it says, verse 35, so don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord. I love that the word is 2,000 years old, this, this book, Hebrews. And he was telling the people that the same thing that the Holy Spirit is telling the church today, and he'll tell us this again. It's not the first time I've preached uh, chapter 10 in Hebrews, and it won't be the last. And many pastors have preached this through those 2,000 years, and they are going to have to keep preaching it to re keep reminding us to stay. You have to stay. You have to keep going. It is so easy to lose momentum following Christ. It is hard to keep going. It is easy to stop. We are against the current. You need to realize that. Who's ever swam against a current? Anybody ever tried to, or even just cross a creek, you know, that's really strong? All of us men out there showing, our, you know, showing off that we can get across it. And it's like, by the time you get across, though, it's still hundreds of feet you know, uh, lower than where you started. But you know, there's so much pressure against you. There's so much pressure. But you got across, didn't you? If you pushed through, you made it. Who's ever been in that and then said, okay, you know, it was hard, but I got across. Or you got out of a, even a hairy situation, sticky situation on that water. You know, as kids, parents didn't know, and I know the generation before me, you guys were really allowed to wander. I was allowed to wander a little bit more than today's generation. Today's generation has no idea what I'm talking about, but we wandered. We're out on our bikes and in creeks we shouldn't have been in at the wrong time, <laughs> and it was probably times we could have died, and thank God we didn't, and I remember those currents. You know, out there swimming, you don't realize, well, we just had a hurricane come through. You probably shouldn't be in the creek, and... We got through it, but it is very hard. We need, and it's very easy just to give up and to go with the flow. And the Lord is reminding us, just as they were reminded here in Hebrews, don't throw away. Remember the great reward it brings you. 
And this is your verse today, verse 36. Patient endurance. Everybody say patient endurance is what you need now. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then, everybody say then, you will receive, and we've been talking about the promise, walking in the promise. I looked at Joshua and and we're looking at how God wants, there's a promise he has given us. Ultimately, it's him. Ultimately, it's eternity. It's not here, but there is a promise in him, a way of walking in him, and that life is available here and now. Now, don't try to bring everything in heaven down to earth. That's not what he's asking us to do. We're asking, he wants us on earth to be as heaven, <laughs> on earth as it is in heaven. But we're not, we don't need to try to bring all of heaven down and try to live in heaven here. But he wants us as believers to live in that place as Jesus did. Without the stuff of heaven, he lived in that place of peace of heaven and that security of heaven. He knew that God had him wherever he went, couldn't be touched until it was time to be touched, and so on. Amen? And there's a place for us. And so we must remember, though, we have to continue. We have to stay. We have to have endurance. It says, then we will receive all that he has promised, verse 37, 4. And I love this. We should be encouraged by this, okay? So he's telling us, remember and to endure. He says, and for in just a little while. God's got a different perspective of a little while than us, doesn't he? <laughs> We're like a little while is like, what, a few days? <laughs> the Lord's like 2,000 years later. This verse is just as much, is more relevant, right? It's sooner now than we first believed. I love that verse. It's sooner now than we first believed. I just said it. Now it's sooner. <laughs> it's sooner. It's sooner. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. Isn't that amazing that God told us 2,000 years ago, and he knew that this would be something we would need constantly because we don't like delays, we like now. We're instant church, <laughs> instant people, happy meal church, drive-through church. <laughs> we want it now. We don't want to work. We don't want to wait. We just want to win the one point whatever billion and say, see, now I don't have to do anything ever again. Don't worry, I'll give it all away. I'll give most of it away. That's our nature, and the Lord said, in just a little while, I'm coming. Listen, don't get too attached to this world. And when you don't understand, when it seems to be delayed, know again that I'm coming. Know I'm coming. It says, my righteous ones will, have faith, will live by faith, but I will take no pleasure. Why does he say this? He's not talking to the world, is he? In Hebrews 10, verse 38, he's not talking to the world, is he? Why does he tell us this? If he tells us this, then he is warning us. God is good, isn't he? Isn't God good? And isn't every warning that he gives us good? Right? If I warn my child, don't go out on the double yellow road because you will die. 
when that car doesn't see you and hits you. And they go, oh, he's just, dad's just afraid. I've seen dad cross that road a million times. I know what I'm doing, right? If God gives us warnings, it's out of his love. It's not out of restriction, it's love. It's his love. His love is so good for us. And he says to warn us, there will be a temptation to turn away. Judas walked with me in the flesh and he turned away. You are just as human as he is. And yet also we read that it says that Elijah in the book of James was just as human as us too. Amen. Elijah was just as human as us as well, and yet Elijah, he felt like quitting one time. Remember the story? I preached it last year. God restored him, refreshed him, got him going again. That guy got on his face, and he prayed, and it rained. It hadn't rained for three and a half years, and it rained again because he stayed with God. Just so one human can turn back, and one human can press in and, and literally change the atmosphere. Does that make sense? It says, but we are not. Come on, let's say this out loud. Let's just say this as a declaration, because I believe that, church. This is, we are, verse 39. We are not like those who turn away from God to their own destructions. We are, let's just raise our hands to him. Listen, I'm not trying to get you to do something religious. Let's just say this as a declaration. God, we are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. Amen. God is good. And that's us. We are not going to turn away. We are not going to turn away. And I just want to turn with you now to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. It says in verse 10, Ephesians 6 verse 10, it says a final word. And who knows when you say a final word, it's an important word. <laughs> if it's the last words, if it's the last thing I'm going to tell you, lastly, means pay attention. Pay attention to this. He says, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power or in the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. And this is the key. The Bible tells us to endure. You need endurance. The Bible tells us we are faithful ones. We are not those who turn away. I take no pleasure in those who turn away. We're not going to turn away. Judas turned away. We're not going to turn away. We're not going to deny him. We're going to keep walking with him. We're going to keep trusting him. But Ephesians 6 tells us how to do it. It says, be strong in the Lord and in his. This has been preached many times. I've preached it this year. Jeannie's just been preaching this not too long ago, a few months ago, preaching this again, being strong in his might. It's so powerful. God himself says, you have to endure, but I don't expect you to do that on your own. And if you will stand next to me, you can do it. In fact, not only can you do it, nothing can touch you. Nothing. Doesn't mean that nothing will touch your body, but nothing can touch that soul. We need to understand the fullness of the scripture, not the body. Because I, I read this uh, just some weeks ago, but he said, don't fear those that can touch the body. Fear God, right? Who can condemn the soul or send the soul to hell, however, what the translation is you're reading. It's not the body. It's not your circumstances. 
your soul is secure. Your inheritance is secure. Your eternity is secure. We look in the natural and we go, well, my body's not telling me that. My bank account's not telling me that. My circumstances aren't telling me that. We need to know that we are not living here. Your body is living here, but you are not. I've preached this many times, but we must say it again. We are seated. Ephesians and Colossians tells us that we are dead. Colossians 3, you are dead. Past tense, but you are seated with Christ in heavenly places at the right hand of God. Right now, present tense, when you said yes to Christ and you surrendered all, your body went in the grave with his 2,000 years ago. God's outside of time. It's not a problem for God. God's outside of time. He takes your body, takes your sins, puts them in the grave with Christ. When he rose again, you rose with him 2,000 years ago and are seated with him right now, present tense. We need to know that, which means, were they able to touch Jesus' body? The answer is yes. The enemy was able to touch his body. Did his body stop him from being Christ? Did his affliction stop him from being Lord? No. In fact, what did they do? They glorified him. In fact, his afflictions glorified Christ. It was through that affliction, it was through the suffering that the glory of Christ came. All right, Jesus was in, a, was in the man state, in the flesh state, but through the suffering, through the cross, he, he, he came back in a new body. He rose again with a new body. Outside of flesh, outside of death. Come on, we need to get this. I'm hope, hopefully I can just... I'm just going to preach it and just pray the Holy Spirit helps us get this. This is so good, what the Lord is saying to us. It says in verse 11, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able, everybody say, I'm able to stand firm against all. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all, all of God's armor, to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Now, we need to be careful, and this is the sermon today. We need to be careful that when we read the word, we need to understand the fullness from cover to cover. We need to understand the fullness of what his word says, and don't take scriptures out of context. We need to look at the whole picture. It is so important that we do this because the attack is not what is coming against you. The result that the enemy is looking for is your attitude. It is the words of your mouth. It's the meditations of your heart. It's your thinking and it's your actions that come out of those places. It says you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. We need to know this. The Bible told us that we would be able to stand firm. If it says it, we must believe it. Now let's go through all the disciples. All the disciples, including Paul, who gets grafted into the disciples post, post the cross, right? Paul, who becomes the new 12th, right? All of them, all of them, ended up dying for Christ. Every single one. So did Ephesians 6, Paul who wrote this, was he wrong when he was 
we, we read that his head was chopped off. Besides the fact that he was beaten many times, and we can read it, it tells us. It says that he was shipwrecked, spitten by a viper. <laughs> he was, you know, they made fun of him here, made fun of him there, you know, et cetera. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, really. I'm doing it a disservice for what he, the price he paid for, for the Lord. Was he off when he said nothing? I'll be able to stand against all the strategies of the devil? We need to realize as believers that if you are standing against the devil, it does not mean that nothing will happen to you. It means that you will not be moved. Come on. You will not be moved when it happens. I need you to understand this, church. I know this is a little church. <laughs> it seems like I'm preaching to the choir. But listen, things come. The devil comes and he will continue to come. And we need to then go back to Hebrews 10 and say, wow, Lord, yes, but soon, soon though, Lord, you're coming again. Lord, I'm not gonna look at that. Yes, I feel afflicted, but Lord, you're coming soon and you won't delay. Even though the devil's telling me you've delayed, the devil's reminding me that this is an old book. The devil's reminding me that this book has been bound in leather for a long time waiting for that promise, and it's never going to happen. But then the Holy Spirit reminds me of the other verse that says that's exactly when it will happen. Because right when people start saying, oh, he's never going to come, you know, that's just a, a, an old story. That's the very moment the Bible tells me that he's about to come. We need to listen to the Holy Spirit and stop listening to the lies of the devil. We need to understand that no matter where you're at, whether you're in good or bad, there's many strategies, many strategies. And first, before I just wanted to name just a few, but it says, verse 12, let me first say this, says, for we are not fighting, and there's many ways you can read this. I'm just going to read the NLT's version. The more traditional texts kind of break down who these unseen realms are. But it says in verse 12, we are not fighting against flesh and blood. That's the, that's the basic. We're not fighting, fighting against flesh and blood. It's not your own body you're fighting against. It's not people you're fighting against. There is a world. There's a war behind that. There is a kingdom behind all of that. And it comes in many ways, but it says that it's against the evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers and dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. But 2 Corinthians 2, verse 11, in the New King James says, Satan wants to try to take advantage of us, but we cannot be ignorant of his devices, or it says in the NLT that we must be familiar with his schemes. Why does the Bible warn us? It tells us to endure. It tells us that Jesus will never leave us. It tells us the Holy Spirit is there to help us. But then it tells us here in Ephesians and Corinthians and in Peter that there is stuff that comes and the devil comes. Don't be unaware. Don't be caught off guard. I don't think I'll have time to get to all the scriptures, so I'm just going to say it. And you just have to believe me that it's in here. And I'm going to try to get to them too, but we're running out of time. The devil is not after you to get you in a trial. That's just this world, this fallen world. The trials will come, the storms come, life comes, the unexpecteds come, and it, it comes in so many different ways. It's not just bad things. 
The devil also comes with schemes and plans and devices with a false blessing. Look at the wealth of the world. Look at Hollywood. Look at organized crime. Look at the music industry, the sports industry. They've been very blessed, and yet it's a scheme of the devil to get them outside of Christ. So it doesn't mean that it's just afflictions, but I feel as believers, we face more affliction than we face the false blessing. (laughs) But these are all strategies. Other strategies that he does are strife and offenses. They try to get us warring with each other, get us offended with each other, get us offended at pastors, at believers, and then ultimately we walk away from those people, walk away from God, and even then get mad at God. There's many strategies, and I just wanted to name those quickly. There's many different angles that he comes, but we need to understand that those angles, no matter what the angle is, whether it's to bless you to get you off of God or to afflict you and get you to curse God, both get the same result, get you to stop trusting God. It's not the thing, it's that you must decide whether he's given you blessings, what to do with it, Or that the enemy has stripped away all of your blessings, it seems, it seems, come on, I need to say it seems, because we cannot be robbed. Because Jesus tells us to store our riches in heaven where it says, moth and rust cannot destroy. It cannot be destroyed where thieves cannot break in and steal. Your inheritance cannot be stolen. Your place in God cannot be touched. It cannot. So if it appears in this realm, in this world that it has, it's only a lie. And God is using it, though, because this is what's happening. The devil is coming in that time because life comes. We're in this fallen kingdom. We're in a fallen world. But Jesus is asking us to rise above above it, to live above in spirit, not in the natural if that makes sense. Jesus, they say he wore a priestly robe. So be it. Okay. I've heard people, I've heard all these different sides. You hear it all, right? If you've been around Christianity block, you've heard it all. Jesus was rich because he wore a priestly robe. Jesus tells us clearly, he said, I got nowhere to lay my head. I don't have a home. That's his own words. He says it warns them, they wanna, we want to follow you. And he's like, well, before you follow me, let me ask you this question. Are you willing to follow me? You know, because we might be somewhere different every single day. I don't have a home here. I don't live here. I'm here for a purpose. I'm here for a purpose. We need to understand that. The enemy comes to try to get you to you. Get you to think about you. In fact, Jesus and I know I'm just bouncing, but I just, just please follow with me. He said to Jesus, temptations of Christ, Matthew 4, just very quickly. Matthew 4, verse 1. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. And during that time, the devil came. Everybody say, the devil came. If he came to Jesus, he will come to you. And he's going to come to you with the same exact temptation that he came to Christ. And this is what his temptation is. He said, if, everybody say if. So he's going to get you to question, going to question who you are, who God is. And he says, though specifically, if you, everybody say you, you. He's going to put it on you. If God is for you, then why is so much bad stuff happening in your life? You need to remind the devil that, well, because this is not my home. (laughs) devil. 
Did you forget that this is not where I live? If God is for you, then why are you sick? My spirit's not sick. In fact, even if this body dies from this sickness, I'm going to keep praying and believing. But even if it dies, my spirit was going to live for eternity with Christ without sickness. Do you need to be reminded, devil, of that? It says, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Going to try to get you to think about you, take care of you, feed you. It's all you, me, 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 me. I need my happiness, my pleasures, my stuff. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say. See, Jesus responds with the word. Satan has his own word. Jesus responds with the word. He says, the word. He says, scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you are the son of God, jump off. And he quotes Psalm 91 here. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. I love Psalm 91 and I love that verse. And I believe that verse. Just don't believe the stone is a physical stone. Sometimes it is. I've prayed many times. I I was driving to a job. I could see myself falling off a roof. And I said, well, if I fall off, then there will be an angel to protect me and carry me. Only, Only a half hour later, it wasn't a roof, I fell out of the back of my truck, and it would have been, it would have been horrendous because I was carrying something that was 100 pounds in my hands. And this big guy this foreman who was just at the job is standing there chatting with me. He's the reason I tripped because he was chatting with me. But he just reached his arms out and, and lowered me right down to the ground like I don't even remember falling at all. So I believe this verse, but I believe more, more it's not a physical stone. We can pray these things, but there's a, the stone, the stuff that tried to get you try to stop you, your soul, it cannot be touched. They kill the body. Come on, we have martyrs to this day that are being killed. Are they being, are they, is the devil winning? Devil's not winning, he's losing. Because that soul went straight to heaven. In fact, every time he does it, the community strengthens because they say, wow, if that guy believed even unto his death, then he must have really believed it. It's got to be true. And it strengthens them. And then others come in every time. Every single time. He's doing himself a disservice by martyring because all it does is, is fuel the fire of the kingdom of God. But he says you. He tries to get it on you. Get it on him. And Jesus says, the scriptures say, you must not test the Lord. He goes back to the word. We need to start quoting the word. That is the armor. I could go through their sermon series and and Jeannie did a really good job just recently, it was just this summer, talking about those elements of the armor. But to put it simply today, for this moment, it is not you relying on you. It is God's word. It is trusting him no matter what. And we're listening to the enemy. We're listening to all of his schemes and strategies. And we're giving in to them too often because we're not quoting the word. This is what the word says. And that goes for both sides. That's when he comes and tries to give you something, give you wealth and lure you away. We need to say, this is not my home. This is not my inheritance. Or he comes on the total opposite spectrum and tries to afflict you. And you need to say to him, you can afflict my body, but I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. You can take the body, but my soul is seated with Christ right now. Present tense. Amen. 
And he says, next, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. See, I'm getting ahead of myself. This is the other temptation. He says, I'll give you. So one, he wants to get you on you and get your, your comforts and your, and your pleasure and um, you to prove yourself and you be you. And, and there's so many sermons actually in this chunk of scripture. I'm just breezing through this. But it says, he said, I will give you, verse 9, give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. You know, um, I don't like to talk about a lot of names from outside world, but if they're going to say it publicly, then I can't worry about saying it in here, that uh, Katy Perry uh, was a Christian singer and then decided, ah, Christian thing's not working for me. I could be more successful in the world. And then she said it. You can see in an interview, she's like, well, what's, what happened? She's like, well, I sold my soul to the devil. She says it. She's not ashamed to say it. I've seen the interview. And she's been very blessed since, hasn't she? Not by God. So blessing is not stuff, is it? It's not things. It can be, but that's not it, is it? Jesus says, he says, again, the word. Come on, remember the word. You must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And the devil went away and the angels came and took care of Jesus. The devil's trying to get us right now, and I sense this just in this time, but as a church, he's getting, he comes in so many different angles, but get us to just less, just weaken and loosen our grip on the things of God, not necessarily completely turn away. I don't see this church just turning away, but he's coming to try from many different sides, but just to get us upset, get us frustrated, or get us distracted. There's different spectrums. Whatever it is to get us to look earthly bound instead of heaven bound. He's trying to come with many different schemes to get us to look at this earth, and we must go back to Hebrews 10 and say, Lord, you're coming soon. We must endure. We need to endure. We need to get closer to you. In fact, it says, and I'll close with this, he says in 1 Peter a couple of things. He says in, verse, in chapter 1 and in chapter 4, tells him, uh, chapter 4, ver, uh, first, it says in verse 12, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. <laughs> I love that verse. Do you hear that verse? It says, don't be surprised. Instead, be very glad. I'm always glad when a trial comes, always. I'm not, but you have to choose to be. It says, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to the world. And in chapter 1, verse 3, it says, all praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, now we live with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is in a 401, I mean in a, sorry, in a, that is kept in heaven for you. 
an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. He says, and through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you may. Even though you must endure many trials again there for a little while i'm telling you guys and i'm listening to the holy spirit myself yes lord it is a heart response it is a heart condition it is a state of mind and then that your actions will reflect from those places but lord yes lord I'm going to choose to have joy even though I don't have any reason in the natural world to have joy. I choose to have joy because this is not it. And Lord, simultaneously, if the devil tries to give me things and he will try to get me to have a temporary fake joy, I'm going to reject it as true inheritance, but only as a temporary thing to get us through this time. He knows you need to eat and he's not afraid for you to go out and work and eat and have a retirement fund. That's not what we're talking about here. That's just not your heart. Your heart is not in those things. He says, be truly glad for it's just a little while. Verse seven, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. This is Peter. This is not the devil saying he's going to test us. This is Peter telling the church, telling Christians, remember, the devil's going to come and it's going to feel like fire. But what it's doing when we hold on to God and we hold on to joy, when we hold on to him, no matter what, it says that it purifies us. Just as fire tests and purifies gold through your faith, it says your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, so what is the scriptures telling us? The trials will come, but it's your faith staying strong through it. It's your heart saying, Lord, I love you anyway. It's your, it's your, your, you're telling the Lord, okay, my body's sick. I love you anyway. You're the healer. I believe you. I believe you're going to give it to me on this earth, but just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, remember they said, to, they, said, they said, well, we believe he's God and he's going to save us. He did in that case. And in other times they didn't. Many went into lion's dens in Rome and into fires that did not come out. But they didn't fail. God didn't fail them. God won. Because they said, even if <laughs> we do die, God's greater. We're with God. We're going to be with him for eternity. It's not here. We're not worried about that fire. It says, your faith remains strong through many trials. It will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. When Jesus Christ comes, as Hebrews 10 tells us, 
we will be revealed with him. It says, you love him even though you have never seen him. Verse 8, though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. And the reward for trusting him will be many things. What's the reward for trusting him? Salvation of your souls. We must hold on. He's coming. I could, I could go many different angles, and I'm not going to be respecting of your time. I just want you to stand. Let's just pray. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, that even though the devil comes from many angles, thank you, Lord, that you have called this church to stand, and we are standing. We are not the unfaithful ones. We are not the betrayers. But, Lord, we are the ones. Thank you, Lord, Jesus, that are going to stay faithful to you no matter what. And we're not going to look at the trial and say, God, why? We're going to say, yes, Lord. We're not going to look at the trial and start getting angry with you, Lord, but instead say, Lord, we thank you for reminding us. Wow, this is the Holy Spirit. The trial reminds you of the temporariness of this earth. If you let it. The devil can try to get you to look at God and blame him, or we can say, wow, Lord, thank you that you have shown me again that this body is not going to last forever. This mind is not going to last forever. I thank you, Lord, that we need, that's why we need the mind of Christ and identified in the body of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. We just give you glory and we thank you, Lord. Speak to us. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Holy Spirit, take this deeper Lord, take these mere words from my lips. Lord, take them deeper. Take them into the heart place, Lord God, into that deep place inside of us, Lord, where the deep speaks of the deep, Lord God. And I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We don't have to worry. We don't have to fear. We don't struggle in this world. Thank you, Lord. That everything we face, Lord, there is nothing, your word says that there is nothing you do not see. There is not a tear that you have not seen. Lord, there is not an injustice that has gone, Lord, unnoticed. But I thank you, Lord, that every single thing, Lord, will be settled. One day, Lord, all of it will be laid out. And I thank you, Lord, that we'll be in glory with you forever and ever. And just keep reminding us, Lord, of this precious fact, Lord, that we are in you and you are outside of this world. We're not going to think of this world. Thank you, Jesus. And I just pray that everything that you give us, Lord, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we would be thankful, Lord, whatever you give us and wherever that takes us, whatever it looks like, thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that we would just be thankful and grateful, Lord. We'd be content wherever we're at, whatever we're doing, wherever we're going. Thank you, Lord, and just believing and trusting in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord God.